Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about Night of the Huntress by Catherine Smith. This was published in 2007 and is the second book in the Brotherhood of Blood series. And we have read the first in the series, which is called Be Mine Tonight. Yeah, so I think we read it last October mm-hmm. around Halloween season because the series is about vampires. And so yep. this October we're reading this one. And if we keep going, I would imagine it will be next October. <laughs> That's right. So we're kicking off spooky season with a vampire romance. Perfect. Perfect. Book jacket? All right. Bishop has been a vampire for 700 years. And though he wishes nothing more than to live his life in peace, Getting humans to believe that vampires are not monsters is a difficult task. And vampire hunters like the Reaper make it even more difficult. Believing that a vampire killed her mother, Marika leads a band of vigilantes determined to rid the world of these monsters. What no one knows is that Arena herself, this jacket is really wrong. I'm like, she's not the Reaper, is she? She's the Huntress, and her name's Marika, not Arena. Hold on. Okay, let's read the last, yeah, let's finish it. Let's finish it. We fixed it. Okay. What no one knows is that Marika herself is half vampire. Determined to deny that side of her, Marika captures Bishop, believing he can lead her to the vampire responsible for her mother's death. But over the course of Bishop's captivity, secrets about Marika's past are revealed. And she soon learns that what she has always believed to be true is anything but. Now, Marika and Bishop are in a race against time as they fight for their lives. And their love. (laughs) All right, so this is the worst jacket we've ever reviewed on this podcast. Absolutely the worst. Like, her name is not the Reaper, it's the Huntress. Her name is not Arena, it's Marika. Like, whoever wrote this did a shit job. Yeah. And, and I think more significantly, it happened in the book too. Mm-hmm. Like at least the ebook version I was reading, mm-hmm. there was no space even between changes of scene. Yeah, there were some. And so, there were some formatting issues. Mm-hmm. And like, so it was actually really hard to follow. So um, it wasn't so bad as to get characters' names wrong, like the book jacket did. Mm-hmm. But whatever was responsible for writing this jacket and digitizing the book. Did not put a lot of effort in, clearly. Not great. Not great. Yeah. And I say whatever, not whoever, because I have a hunch it was a machine. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Like, yeah, totally. Well, as usual, we generated a random number between 1 and 50. Then we use that number as a word count to write our own summaries. I got it. All right. So... Bishop goes back to Romania to mourn his lost love and find a lost friend, but is kidnapped by basically a secret niece who is tragically hot and misguided about vampires. He convinces her he's not evil, mostly through sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's all true. Also, I forgot to mention that the random number for this week is 40. Oh, that, so that was 40 words, everyone. Sorry. That was 40 words. All right, here's, here's my 40-word summary. The absolute worst thing a vampire hunter can do is fall in love with the vampire you've captured. Too bad Bishop is, one, hot, two, principled, three, knows your second dad, otherwise known as your sire, and number four, in short, 
irresistible. Yes. Yes. So the first book in this series set up the how they were all turned. Mm -hmm. So it was a group of six dudes who found what they thought was the Holy Grail, but ended Mm -hmm. up being a grail filled with becoming vampire magic. (laughs) The blood grail. (laughs) Over the subsequent 700 years or whatever, one of them has died. Mm -hmm. Committed suicide. The other five have, like, scattered to the ends of Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And have had various relationships with their vampirism over the course of that time. But... They also have, they've had various relationships with women throughout that time. Yes. Uh, But they are not, they haven't found their one true mate yet. Correct. So I just want to, you know, mention that. Shouldn't be a surprise really to any paranormal romance lover, but just saying. So this book is about Marika, whose grandmother's name is Arena, (laughs) who is half- She's a dampier, which usually means half vampire historically. But in this case, she was the biological child of two human people. But then as her mother was in labor, she was dying. So her mother's vampire lover tried to turn her mother like mid-birth. Mm-hmm. And so some of that vampirism passed to Marika. I, I actually really loved how, I actually really liked this. It's really dumb and really ridiculous, but I really enjoyed this like three-way child because she has traits from her father, her mother, and this additional vampire because he gave his blood to her mother. And I I just thought it was a really, I I liked it. I thought it was a really interesting take on vampire lore and like kind of cool. So that was probably my favorite thing about the book. Not that fact in particular, but I've been telling Meg all day. It's like the world's most perfect, crisp fall afternoon. All I want to do is read like Eastern European academic books and like pretend I'm in the crisp fall of the hinterland or whatever. And so this like the, the vibe of this small Romanian town with this one little secret like, not just the secret of her birth, but then the secret of, like, her existence as this vampire hunting mm-hmm. dampier. I thought it was just really cool. Mm-hmm. It was, it was really fun. I, the setup was really, really fun. Yes. So just to be clear before we get into tropes, while that is the setup, Marika doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. She knows she is dampier, and she knows it's because a vamp- she believes a vampire tried to kill her mother while she mm-hmm. was giving birth. The vampire succeeded, and so she has hated the vampire her entire life because she's under the impression that he murdered her mother. Yep. Yeah. All right. Should we get into the tropes? Yes. It's enemies to lovers because he's a vampire and she's a vampire hunter. Right. Um, he mostly thinks she's ridiculous. Like, yes, she kidnapped him, but I thought it was fun how she was, he never treated her like, a real threat to his life. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't belittle her. He didn't, mm-hmm. he wasn't like not taking her seriously, but he was also like, I'm going to choose to stay kidnapped. Yeah. Because I want to learn things from this and not like actually, he was more scared for her than of her, which I thought was fun. Yeah. I liked that part. 
it does lead us to our next trope, which I don't know how deep it gets, but there's a little bit of Stockholm syndrome, right? Because she she defeats she does actually defeat him and take him prisoner. So yep. he's a little taken he's taken by surprise. Um, he is taken prisoner, and then through their relationship together, he's like, oh, she's at first he's like she's a horrible person, horrible vampire hunter, and then he's like, oh, she's not a horrible person. And I was like, okay, it's a little, again, a little bit of Stockholm syndrome here, you know? Yeah, but then they do find out they have this historical connection in that one of his besties is the man who's involved in this whole scenario. And he realizes she clearly doesn't know the truth about what happened. Yeah. I I really liked the ridiculous vampire drama of it all. I liked that it was ridiculous. I didn't love that it felt a little incestuous. I just chose not to, they weren't, Friends by blood. No, but... And he didn't know she existed. (laughs) Yeah, but it's, I mean, okay, incestuous, but, like, there's always a bit of an age gap in these books because the man is always, like, usually the man is, like, 800 years old and the woman is, like, 25 max. (sighs) She's 26. Excuse me. Excuse me. (laughs) But it felt more taboo or age gappy because he was as you put in your summary like her uncle yeah like you know dad's best friend yes so just saying yeah i i get that it's also the fate part of the whole thing yeah it is i mean it is you're not wrong you you are not wrong so this is the reverse of oh my god pants he only sees her in pants, again, due to her being a professional vampire hunter. I pictured her very much like Celine from Underworld with long hair. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can that see that. Full leather bodysuit. Yeah. <laughs> like, running okay. around, taking out people. Um, <laughs> I really love Underworld, so that may have something to do with my affection for that imagery. <laughs> but so the first time she wears a skirt, because she's going to see her grandmother and she doesn't want to stand out in rural Romania walking around on a Sunday in like her vampire fighting outfits. He's like, Oh my God, you in a skirt, you in a blouse. I love my favorite part was he was like obsessed with her blouse because it was fitted. So we could see the outline of her boobs. And I'm like, her usual outfit still involves a corset and form fitting attire. <laughs> like yeah. part yeah. of this you are fixated on makes no sense. He, he, she like undressed in front of him relatively early in the text. Yes. Anyway, whatever. It's fine. I'm not, I'm not pissed off about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, she's this amazing, badass vampire hunter who can, you know, let herself be vulnerable with this guy. Yeah. And she's been hiding the reality of who she is and like living <laughs> a lie in her town trope. Like she's, no one knows she's a Dompier. They know her mother died. Many of her men know her mother died at the hands of a vampire, but none of them know that she was affected by that moment. Mm -hmm. And so she experiences a lot of betrayal in -hmm. this text. Um, And so I get why she may have been like vulnerable, but it is sometimes I like the really strong woman finally realizes she has someone she can rely on and can stop being so badass all like in private all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In this case, it went a little far. Mm-hmm. Like no. she really did 
give up a lot of independence and badassery when she met him and it kind of sucked. It was the low point of the book for me. You, I mean, you are totally correct. It's like, it's like because she is in Dom Pierre, she had, she was like stronger than all the men around her. And then now finally she's found someone who's stronger, stronger than she is. And so she can be feminine. I agree. It's, it's a different trope. Right. Like if it's a if it's a badass woman who can let her guard down around someone, I think I'm okay with it. If it's a badass woman who doesn't really want to be badass and now is happy that she can be feminine and rely on someone's strength, a little less interesting. She doesn't stop fighting. She doesn't like retire or anything, but she does cede a lot of authority that I wish she hadn't. Mm -hmm. No, lip side. And this is another trope. It's, It's specifically a vampire trope. The drama over will they turn or not? Yeah. I actually really liked how that was handled here. Yeah. I I liked it. I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. I didn't I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Okay. Basically, you expect that she is going to have an aversion to being a vampire due to her occupation as a vampire hunter. Mm-hmm. And she makes it clear pretty immediately that her aversion isn't actually to being a vampire now that she's learning more about it. Yeah. It's that she doesn't want it to be like something that happens in the heat of the moment that isn't her choice. And I just, I thought that nuance for this character was surprising in a good way. That I liked. How it ultimately happened, I felt took that agency away from her. Fair. So that that's why I said I didn't, like it was fine. I, I think for me, I agree with you. I agree with what you're saying. I think I was glad it wasn't a d- source of drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was a source of drama, but it was like, super bonkers, over-the-top, ridiculous vampire drama. So I didn't mind that part. It wasn't the kind of drama that I hate. (laughs) Like, one of the very first things I think comes to mind for me about the quality of this overall, and I think this will be woven through the whole episode for me, this series was one of my gateways into romance, but in an ironic way at the Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And I think... Part of what drew me in about it, like, there isn't a whole lot of dwelling on stupid shit. Mm-hmm. Like, they have a big fight and a misunderstanding, and she runs away to deal with her own shit. And they literally have a conversation about it the next day. And so, like, I think that part of this series really works for me, that there isn't a whole lot of angst based on the conversations that aren't happening and misunderstandings. Yeah. The flip side of that is there's not a whole lot of depth in a lot of the emotional relationships. I mean, and I don't disagree. Yeah. Some of the word choice in both like emotionally intimate and physically intimate moments feels really over the top and mm-hmm. like the way people make fun of romance novels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So I will say the first book, I enjoyed the first book more than I thought I would based on the cover and the book jacket. And I was really enjoying it. And 16-year-old Lane's notes on the inside of the cover? (laughs) Yes. Spoiler alert for the first book. If you haven't read it and you really want to skip ahead a few, a minute or so. In the first book, there is this major drama because the, the main character has cancer. And she, they, they allow the cancer to get so, um, so far, basically she doesn't become a vampire until like the very last second. So you get all of the tragedy of the cancer and the hospice care and like this horrible, terrible 
And in this case, she wants to be a vampire, but he refuses to turn her because he thinks he's damned. So the first book really laid it on thick with the vampire turning drama in a way that was frustrating. Mm -hmm. And I just have to say, I thought this book was, compared to that, so much more lighthearted and so much more fun. I had a lot of fun reading this. So I just want to say, I just want to point that out. No cancer. No trigger warning for cancer. Yay. It was like, I automatically gave it an extra half star. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know sometimes people get frustrated when we say this, but like, this was a really fast read. It was like, super fast read. It, there were like, what, 18, 19 chapters? Like, this was, I'm dead serious, like, the kind of book I want to read, like, in the park on a fall day, being a little bit creeped out around old buildings. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like, that's a lovely way to spend an afternoon. This mm-hmm. is, it says a lot about me as a person that this is as scary as I like anything. I'm not a horror person. (laughs) If we're going to get into like the spooky vibes, I need like a touch of vampire or a touch of zombie, but not really scary. (laughs) This is the spookiest. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. So funny. Stand by it. Recognize that that's a crazy thing to say, but I stand by it. (laughs) It's fine. I'm interested to see what else we have on the calendar for the spooky (laughs) season. So I don't know. I think I told you though, the weird alien planet one got a little too scary for me at points. Yes. Yes. (laughs) You did. You did. I think I think we're okay. There's only one that might be a little scary for you. We'll see. We'll find out. <laughs> All right. Um, I will say, okay, so p- part of the reason she leaves him alive, so she captures him, her normal MO is to just kill the vampires. But right. part of the reason she keeps him alive is because she found out that he knows her vampire sire right right? so she thinks that this guy his name is saint killed her mother and she her whole point in being a vampire hunter is so that she can kill this guy she she really wants to kill saint to avenge her mother and the whole book is about not the whole book but a lot of drama and a lot of plot hinges in the book about how Bishop is like, yes, I will introduce you to Saint. Like, at first, he refuses to tell her where Saint is. And then towards the end, he's like, yeah, I'm going to take you to meet Saint because she needs to know because they find out, you know, the truth about her mother. But I I, I swear to you, Lane, I know this is going to come up. I'm sure Saint's book is going to be next. But I just really wish, even if it was just, like, in the epilogue and they were riding up to Saint's house, or, yeah. something, or got a telegram from Saint that was like, yes, I do want to meet my daughter. Or like, given the way it actually daughter. ends, minor spoilers, see you in Rome, Saint. Yes, exactly. Anything that implied it. But I was it, it almost felt like, like, I know they were going to go find Saint, but it felt unfinished. There was a one thread left untied. I actually would say that is one of my least favorite things about this book. Mm-hmm. It is not a standalone novel at all. And I know mm-hmm. I say most romance novels aren't. Like, I like reading in sequential order. But with the exception of them ending up together, th- there's no discrete story contained in this book. Mm-mm, Everything no. is the setup for a wider plot. Yes. It, I would say you could, you could probably start here if you if you really don't want to read the book, first book, like if cancer is like a major trigger warning for you, you could probably start with this book because there are a lot, like the big bads are not 
really introduced in the other book. You know that there are bad people out there, but you don't know exactly what they are, like how they're organized. Uh, and that's introduced in this book. Um, so I think you're probably okay if you really want to start with this book instead. But I totally agree with you that it, it doesn't feel like its own book. It feels like the start of something bigger. Right. So like Chapel, the main character in the first book, one, they wanted to fall in love. Two, they had to resolve her cancer. And three, Chapel really hated himself and hated mm -hmm. being a vampire. And like, so his was a very typical like redemption arc of learning that you are not necessarily damned and there is still good in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a good intro to the series in that sense, minus the cancer. Yeah. But so, and there was this sense, as you said, of like wider things happening, but it really wasn't much of the plot of this one, of that right. book. This right. one was... He didn't really have, she had to learn like that her whole life had been a lie and that like her reason for hating vampires wasn't true, but he didn't have much of an arc here other mm -hmm. than starting the pursuit of, like he comes to Romania to find this missing friend who he never finds in the course of this book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like there's nothing about his individual arc resolved here. He'd actually kind of come to peace with the death of his ex-lovers and like, had pretty good perspective on what vampirism meant and mm -hmm. all of his plot threads are left hanging. Yeah. Yeah. He, he really didn't, he didn't have a journey. He didn't have a hero's journey or a heroine's journey or a, any journey. He just was yeah. this guy. He's not like a horrible guy or anything, but his purpose was to be her guide. Work. Yes, exactly. I was going to say to, to work with Marika right? As she was introduced to this world. Which I don't hate, yeah. but I needed this story to have a little bit more, I, I agree, like a little bit more of a bow at the end. Yes, I agree. I and then we're, just, we're in agreement on this book. Just to specifically expound on the comment that like she becomes a much weaker character after she starts to trust him. There's a scene, she confronts her father on her own. And then her father sort of confronts her in secret and surprises her with this confrontation with him present. And he keeps speaking over that entire mm -hmm. conversation with just like the input from her being significant glances and chastising him. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I would have liked him so much better if not for that scene. And mm -hmm. I think it was supposed to make you like him for being so protective of her, but it was really frustrating. Yeah. Like, watch him act like he was the man in her life now and he can put down the man who had betrayed her. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't disagree. And I mean, yeah, she starts out the book as the leader of a vampire hunting guild. Yeah, pretty much. Right. And by the end of the book, she's an accessory to him. And his plot moving mm -hmm. forward. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, a little, little disappointing. A little disappointing. I agree. Yeah, we never love it when women are accessories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and for a book where she gets all the character growth and all the character development, it's a shame that it's some character development that's, like, maybe away from autonomy, right? Right. And I want to be clear. Like, she remains a badass and remains very good with swords and, like, yeah. doesn't become some, like, wilting wallflower or whatever. But... All right. Anything else you want to talk about before we move on to content warnings? Nope. All right. So content warnings. This is a vampire book. There's a lot of blood 
blood drinking, blood being kind of sexy. Yeah. There's also, this book specifically, it's very violent. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of fighting and a lot of like, uh, like forcible blood drinking and burning with silver and stuff like that. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of it. There's a scene where she gets injured. Not the final injury she sustains, but the description of the way the knife bounced off her corset through her flesh is very visceral. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's it, it's it's pretty violent and and pretty gory. Like there's just a lot there's a lot of blood. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it's like a it's it's not a horror novel. Right? No, it's not gory for the sake of being scary. But she doesn't skimp on the blood. Right between the vampires and the fact that she's like a warrior princess. That is described. Yeah. So her dad is a piece of shit. Yeah, she's basically, she's a poor little rich girl, right? She's raised in privilege, but without any affection or love from her family besides her grandmother. Yes. So. She doesn't have much family other than her dad and her grandmother, but yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's the thing. She she went to boarding school. She's been separated from, you know, I mean, she's even, I, I did think this was interesting. She's been othered, not just by the fact that she's a Dampier, right? But right. also because she's been raised outside of Romania. She doesn't really have Romanian friends. Um, she hasn't been raised in Romanian society. So she doesn't, it's not just that she doesn't know about like vampire shit. She also doesn't know about, like, Romanian society and, like, how to fit yeah. in, stuff like that. So uh, I, I did and think And some that of was, that's by choice. Yeah. Like, she also chose to be a vampire hunter rather than be a good little girl. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this part, I, I liked this part. She was engaged to be married to this guy. And then, like, I don't know if it was, like, on their wedding day, but it was right around their wedding day. <laughs> His father comes back as a vampire, like, you know, crawls his way out of the grave and is going to go eat a little kid and she kills him. And she and her fiance break up because he can't handle that she killed his He watched her father. stake his dad. <laughs> I, I, that's the kind of bonkers that I can totally get on board with. That's just, like, there is, there are things here that I now genuinely like, mm-hmm. but it is, so bizarrely written at times. Yes, it really is. Okay, final content warning. Uh, there is a new kind of vampire that is introduced in this book, and that is the Nosferatu. And it it has to do with this whole thing that we talk, we talk about it every single time we talk about vampires, which is that blood sucking means sex yeah. in some way, right? you know, sharing bodily fluids, um, you take it forcibly or you share it or, you know, whatever. And in this book, how, so Nosferatu's are basically like diseased vampires. Right. They're super strong, super fast. It's hard to kill them. They're mentally unstable. There's like a lot of problematic language about mental health uh, surrounding the Nosferatu's. But how do you create Anosferatu lane. They have to drink diseased blood is the word they use. Yep. And one of the one of the places that you find diseased blood is in 
I mean, it's specifically said it's like in prostitutes. Yeah, that was the one I didn't love, especially because it was one thing to say like murderers. Yep. And like, because I thought that was actually an interesting point to say, well, we'll flip it on its head. Good vampires are the ones who kill bad people. Mm -hmm. But what if killing bad people made you bad? Mm -hmm. But then to include sex workers Mm -hmm. in that was a little bit like, okay, the moral judgment here about this ruins what could have been a cool concept. Exactly. Well, and the one Nosferatu that Bishop is familiar with was one of his buddies, Dre, which is like the worst name ever, by the way. Correct. (laughs) So uh, Dre hated himself and hated the idea of like sucking, of like drinking blood. And so he would, he would imprison himself on purpose so that he wouldn't go out and drink blood. Except the problem is if you deprive yourself of blood in this world, it drives you nuts. And like, it makes you strong because you really need to go out and find blood. And so the more he abstained from drinking blood, the more the compulsion to drink blood grew and grew and grew until he would just like break out of his self-imposed prison and go and, and, and drink the blood of sex workers, basically. Well, and sort of drink indiscriminately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 that's true. And on the one hand, I think there's something interesting going on with this metaphor, right? Right. Of, you know, do you, should you abstain or should you indulge Indulge. reasonably? Yeah. Right. Um, But the fact that it leads to Dra becoming an Osferatu and then eventually killing himself. I don't know if it was the best way to end that metaphor. It's all, I don't know. Yeah. And I'm also, so spoiler alert right now. And I think what I'm fine saying, we're just going to spoil whatever from this point forward. Um, so turn away now, if you plan to read this book from 2007, but so at the end, the, the conflict is she imbibes Nosferatu blood. Mm -hmm. So it's the other way you can become a Nosferatu. And the way to save her is to drink his blood because his blood is like pure and it's like okay so if like the pure lilith blood is how you avoid becoming an osferatu why did his friend who also had pure lilith blood become an osferatu like i i I don't i try not to be overly like pedantic about demon lore in these worlds because i get that the point of this isn't like incredible world building Mm -hmm. but to put in such an obvious yeah yeah, didn't think this through was really frustrating. I mean, they they had to say, you know, if the first blood you drink is Lilith blood after you, you know what I mean? It still would have been ridiculous, but at least it would have been addressed. Instead of like literally having this contradict something that happened two chapters ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. How sexy was this book? There's a lot of sex on the page. And it there starts... Is relatively early it does mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um i i really one of the things i really liked was that her virginity or lack of it was there was like no discussion about it it was not a big deal at all she asks him after they've been sleeping together for a while if it bothers her it bothered him that she wasn't a virgin and he's like no <laughs> yeah he's like no, it. no it was great like, i i appreciated that yeah 
But as I mentioned at the start of this episode, there are some specific word choices that are so profoundly unsexy mm-hmm. that it really, between, we've also talked about the fact that you and I aren't that into like the blood shit. Yeah, there's always, uh, the, yeah. He sucks her nipples to the point of full erection. Yeah. And I was just like, mm, that's not where I expect to see that word. Yeah. In this context. I mean, I think the other thing about the about blood sucking during sex is first of all, it's not sexy. So like just the fact that they're like, you know, having sex and then they start sucking each other's blood doesn't make it sexier, right? In fact, it probably detracts from the sexiness. But it makes them shoot off like rocket ships yes but the other thing that i think is it, again it's it's the it's the blood-sucking metaphor right if it's there she, again she was trying to do some interesting things about how like um uh marika is thinking about how she's penetrating him right and getting his blood so i was like well that's kind of an interesting thought she doesn't take it further than that she just mentions it once uh, and then they just suck each other's blood at the same time. So it's like a blood 69. Right. And I... I Equality. Yeah. I, I don't get it. But, you know, whatever. It's fine. Was it a pegging metaphor, you think? I, I have no idea what this... Was it a, peg, a 69 <laughs> pegging? Penetrative 69? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what that was a metaphor for. But okay. it made me, it actually just made me think more about like nourishment. Cause I was like, okay, now that they are, it, are they one of those perpetual machines, perpetual motion machines? Like if she sucks his blood and then he sucks her blood, can they sustain each other just by drinking each other's blood? I think so, probably. That, I mean, that's the interesting, that's interesting to me. But also, like, why is it interesting to me? I don't know. Or do they have to supplement this blood somewhere else? Well, I think it would be, obviously, like, when he drinks werewolf blood, he gets special powers. So, like, I'm sure there are circumstances in which drinking not each other's blood would be beneficial. Yeah. I don't know. But I think probably in terms of, like, does drinking each other's blood actually sustain them? Probably. I don't know. It's what if they could drink their own blood? That, I, that's the thing. Like that's the next can, logical question. Well, there was—I mean, there was one book we read. Remember where it was—it was in Beck McMaster's book where Charlie was biting his own wrist, and he was like, "It was." He was like, "You know," they—they uh, they saw it, and they were like, "It's, it's almost like you walk in on someone masturbating." Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, these are the thoughts I get when I read vampire romances, which is. The other reason why I can't find them sexy, right? Right. They, they're explicit. They're fun. They're very 2007. And, yeah, it's not, it's not a book that I'm going to read to be turned on, basically. But I am very down to read the next one in the series next Halloween. Totally. We're, we're going to read this whole series someday. Over we'll see. six years. I was going to say, <laughs> we're going to see how long this podcast lasts, right? Yeah. Are we going to read this whole series? I hope so. Me too. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. 
We would love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, and check us out around the internet wherever you can find Plattress.